This podcast is provided for general information only and assumes a certain level of knowledge of financial markets. It is not an invitation to make an investment and should not be construed as advice. The views in this podcast are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily reflect those of Investec Asset Management. The value of investments can fall as well as rise and losses may be made. As always on a Tuesday, it's the Investec Asset Management sponsored Big Picture and the Big Picture is a big picture in Europe. It's the third biggest picture because the Italian economy is the third biggest in the Eurozone and it's come sharply into focus recently on the telephone now to tell us why is John Stockford, Head of Multi-Asset Income and Investic Asset Management in London. John, over the last few days, Italy has suddenly come sharply into focus, not because of not being in the World Cup, but uh, because of political reasons. It's a fascinating story. Yes, indeed. So the Italians had an election a few months ago populist parties basically got the largest share of the vote. There was some question about whether the two main populist parties that are sort of left-leaning and and to the right could get together. They managed to get together. They started to form a government. And then Italy has this sort of constitutional arrangement where the president can block things if he thinks that they are against the interests of the country. He blocked the forming of the government because he wouldn't allow them to appoint the finance minister they wanted. They want to pursue a very populist agenda, tax cuts, more spending. Italy is heading to completely at odds with, you know, odds for the sustainability of Italy within the Eurozone. It's a situation which no one thought could happen. People are saying, well, it's the end of May and it's the holidays in, in Northern Europe and Southern Europe as well. And this is just something that is a nice distraction for Bloomberg and CNBC and other radio and television stations. But do you think that there's any foundation to this? Do you think this is a chance for the Eurozone to start to unravel post-Brexit? I'm not sure it's immediate. And Italy, I think, is more embedded in Europe than the UK ever has been. And I think, you know, Italians generally regard themselves as as European. The problem is that the solutions that Italy has generally pursued um, when it's had economic difficulties no longer exist within the Eurozone. So typically, Italy would devalue the lira to regain competitiveness, and that would boost growth and so on. They've been living in a sort of world without growth now for most of the last 20 years. Their debt level remains unsustainable in, in the medium term. The Italian economy is probably pretty uncompetitive relative to its northern trading partners within Europe. And Italians are getting a bit sick of it. And so I think, you know, this definitely could be the beginning of the end. And the parties involved trying to put the coalition together are inherently more Eurosceptic. They're sort of populist and less mainstream. They have raised the possibility of parallel currencies. They've raised the possibility of of exit. They didn't explicitly campaign on that basis. If anything, they toned down their rhetoric. But their policy platform is at odds with the direction that France definitely wants to go in, that Germany wants to go in, and, and so on. And so, you know, it's not obvious what the solution is and, and how, on a sort of five-year view or a ten-year view, Italian membership of the Eurozone is compatible with, you know, the needs and desires of the Italian electorate. The market reaction has been quite marked, and it's been over a period where there have been a couple of holidays, both in the United States and the UK, and also, therefore, the Eurozone, and therefore there's been a little bit of illiquidity and maybe an unusual movement to the upside or the downside. But do you think that the markets are correct in what they've done today, for example, which has been 
asset classes getting certainly risky asset classes, both bonds and equities uh, coming under pressure. Do you think that's justified? Well, I mean, it clearly raises the uncertainty around the eurozone and around growth in in Europe, and it's you know it pushes up risk premia and so on. I'm not sure it's been that dramatic yet. I mean, if you look at yes, Italian equities are down quite a lot, but they're still up. Uh, a lot over the last sort of 12 to 18 months. If you look at, you know, the yield that Italian bonds are paying over German government bonds, it's sort of, you know, well off the highs that we saw ahead of Mario Draghi's, you know, I'll do what it takes speech of sort of 20, 2011, 2012. You know, we're, so Italian bonds, they're paying a pretty hefty premium, 2.5% at 10 years over German government bonds, but they were paying more like... Uh, you know, six and a half, five and a half, six percent back in 2011, 2012. So we haven't quite reached that sort of crisis sense yet, but I think people are pretty nervous, and I think you know this is something that's not going to go away quickly. So the Italian president's action means that you know this political crisis isn't going to get resolved quickly, and actually, if it does get resolved, it might be resolved in a more negative way post another election. So. You know, unfortunately, it's going to be around for a while. Markets might get bored of it. I mean, they do tend to if, if things don't really change. But longer term, it, it does look uh, challenging for Italy within the euro area, particularly next time we hit a recession and, you know, growth takes a general turn for the worst. So you'll think that the fact is that we are going to get a recession maybe in the next uh, 18 months or so. You're willing to wait that long to say that it could become problematic. As head of multi-asset income investing asset management, what are you doing now? You're not waiting for that recession, of course. You're saying, no, of course well, we're not. Um, and the recession is, you know, the only reason I mention a recession is, you know, Italy's been bumbling along with the rest of Europe expanding. And that, you know, a bit of growth helps ease the pressure a bit. What's not clear to me is, you know, it, the ECB is yet to raise interest rates. It's still printing money. You know, it hasn't really got a lot of shots in the locker if Europe has a big downturn. In those circumstances, there's, you know, the sort of fallback mechanism to support spreads in Europe, the uh, ESM is limited in capacity. You know, Germany doesn't want to bail out Italy. France may, probably doesn't and so on. So it's not obvious if things get materially worse how they get out of this, particularly if, you know, Draghi's leaving or ends his term, you know, next year. You know, the future looks a bit troubling on that basis. I mean, what are we doing? We're tending to run light positions or even slight small short positions in the euro against other major European currencies. So things like the Swiss franc, sterling, Swedish krona, Norwegian krona and so on. We're tending to avoid European bonds full stop and have a essentially actually a small short position there. Uh, and we're pretty circumspect, again, about sort of peripheral exposure, including equity. So the beauty we have is we, we have a global mandate. So we can look at all markets and focus on the ones where, you know, this isn't such a, a direct impact, look for the opportunities there and not have to play where the environment is just massively driven by politics and uncertainty. But on the other hand, you are, it sounds to me, fairly cautious about the future and you're going to more exotic asset classes and more exotic Well, not really. I mean, we're going policies. to places like Australia and the US and Sweden and whatever. It's not necessarily about going to the, the nutty fringe. It's about actually identifying, you know, the developed world is much bigger than Italy and it's much bigger even than, than core Europe or Europe. And even within Europe, there are some interesting, I think, areas to invest. Yes, I mean, emerging markets also have some interesting opportunities, potentially, although clearly they're struggling with a stronger dollar. They're struggling with, um, you know, concerns about um, policy change and tightening of dollar liquidity. 
So we're not rushing in there at all. We're maybe looking selectively for opportunities, but we don't have to play in Italy. So why do it? I mean, it's, you know, too much of a, a coin toss at the moment for us. If you were a punter, and let's talk about it in a racing, a horse racing terminology now, you had to have a trifecta, emerging markets, Eurozone and US markets, all at very, uh, I would say, pivotal moments in their lives. Would you be going for that trifecta? Not really. I mean, I think we pick securities from the bottom up and then think about the sort of macro risks after that. So, you know, there's some good companies in Europe. There are some good companies in EM and, and bonds and the same in the US. I think at the moment, the US probably looks a slightly safer bet than Europe, but that's more tactical, perhaps. Emerging markets, I mean, I think it's about taking advantage of the volatility at the moment, taking advantage of the near term weakness and recognizing that if we are still 18 months, two years or so from the next recession, that actually, you know, if you can buy some of these things cheaply and, you know, the risk reward looks attractive, then accumulating into weakness such limited exposure within emerging markets actually probably makes sense. John, thanks so much for your time this evening. That's John Stopford, Head of Multi-Asset Income at Investec Asset Management in London. In South Africa, Investec Asset Management is an authorised financial services provider.